الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن محمد رسول الله أشهد أن محمد رسول الله حي على الصلاة حي على الصلاة حي على الفلاح حي على الفلاح قد قامت الصلاة قد قامت الصلاة الله أكبر الله أكبر الله قيموا صفوفكم معتدلوا الله أكبر الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين اهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين أنعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم وعباد الرحمن الذين يمشون على الأرض هونا وإذا خاطبهم الجاهلون وإذا خاطبهم الجاهلون قالوا سلاما والذين يبيتون لربهم سجدا وقياما والذين يقولون ربنا اصرف عنا عذاب جهنم إن عذابها كان غراما إنها ساءت مستقرا ومقاما والذين إذا أنفقوا لم يسرفوا ولم يقتروا وكان بين ذلك قواما والذين لا يدعون مع الله إلها آخر ولا يقتلون النفس التي حرم الله إلا بالحق ولا يقتلون النفس التي حرم الله إلا بالحق ولا يزنون ومن يفعل ذلك يلقى أثاما يضاعف له العذاب يوم القيامة ويخلد فيه مهانا إلا من تاب وآمن وعمل 
وعمل عملا صالحا فأولئك يبدل الله سيئاتهم حسنات وكان الله غفورا رحيما ومن تاب وعمل صالحا فإنه يتوب إلى الله متابا والذين لا يشهدون الزور وإذا مروا باللغو مروا كراما والذين إذا ذكروا بآيات ربهم لم يخروا عليها لم يخروا عليها صما وعميانا والذين يقولون ربنا هب لنا من أزواجنا وذرياتنا قرة أعين وجعلنا للمتقين إماما أولئك يجزون الغرفة بما صبروا ويلقون فيها ويلقون فيها تحية وسلاما خالدين فيها حسنت مستقرا ومقاما قل ما يعبأ بكم ربي لولا دعاؤكم فقد كذزاما سمع الله لمن حمده الله أكبر الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين اهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين أنعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين قل الحمد لله وسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى 
الله خير أما يشركون أمن خلق السماوات والأرض وأنزل لكم من السماء ماء فأنبتنا به حدائق ذات بهجة ما كان لكم أن تنبتوا شجرها أإله مع الله بل هم قوم يعدلون أم جعل خلالها أنهارا بحرين حاجزا أإلههم لا يعلمون أمن يجيب المضطر إذا دعاه ويكشف السوء ويجعلكم ويجعلكم خلفاء الأرض أإلههم مع الله قليلا ما تذكرون أمن يهديكم في ظلمات البر والبحر ومن يرسل رياح بشرا بين يدي رحمته أإله مع الله تعالى الله عما يشركون أمن يبدأ الخلق ثم يعيده ومن يرزقكم من السماء قل هاتوا برهانكم إن كنتم صادقين قل لا يعلم من في السماوات والأرض إلا الغيب إلا الله قل لا يعلم من في السماوات والأرض إلا الغيب إلا الله وما يشعرون أيان يبعثون بل هم في شك منها بل هم منها عمون سمع الله لمن حمده
Allah Allah liman hamida Inshallah, after the remaining sunnah, we will have our weekly tafsir with Mufti Azimuddin Ahmad. Inshallah, we will be continuing with Surah Maryam. We humbly request all the brothers and sisters to stay back and benefit, or if they have to go, they can join us virtually on our YouTube channel. Jazakallah khairan.
Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Elhamdülillah. Kefa ve salatu ve selamu ala Resulillah. Allahümme salli ve sellem ala Seyyidina Muhammed ve ala ahli Seyyidina Muhammed ve barik ve sellem. Rabbi şahli sadri ve sirli emri ve ahlul uqdeten min lisani yefqahu qawli. Subhanak la almanana illa ma'allamtana. Subhanak la almanana. Respect to listeners. Thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala once again who has blessed us to sit with the Quran. And we ask Almighty Allah azza wa jal to inspire us all with the beautiful secrets of the Qur'an and fill our hearts with the mahabba and the love of the Qur'an. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as you sit here, uh, grant us the nur of the Qur'an, grant us the nur of His kalam. May Allah azza wa allow us all to hear from the Qur'an exactly what we need to hear in our lives and may He make the Qur'an a means of our guidance. May He make it a means of us finding solutions to all our problems and may He find it a means of uh, uh, protection. May Allah Azza wa Jalla make the Quran a means of protection from all of the various challenges, difficulties, and attacks of nafs and shaitan. Amin ya rabbal alamin. We ended last week on the aspect of Maryam, when radiyallahu uh, anha, wishing she would never have lived and or that she would have died before uh, all of this would happen because she did not want. Dean to get a bad name She did not want her family to get a bad name She did not want her teacher, her mentor, her uncle Nabi Zakaria to get a bad name of Wanting to die uh, as, as mentioned over here um, This is something that we can speak about For a few minutes on Is is it permissible for a person to wish for death And with, this, with the talk of uh, Unfortunately suicide within our community And generally throughout the population much more rampant than previous years, this is an important discussion to have. Uh, that what does Islam say about not only, uh, of course, of course, suicide, but also even wishing that a person dies, even if he doesn't or she doesn't actively make an attempt to take their life. So we know suicide is intihar, is haram. It's a, it is a, a not permissible. And the hadith the warning against that are very, very harsh. Imam Qurtubi rahimahullah has mentioned many of those For example uh, are that uh, even authentic, authentic narrations uh, That a person who uses a, 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 a method to take his or her life Be let's say stabbing themselves or drinking poison etc Then the punishment of this will be that till the day of judgment They will be continuing to do their lives and, to, and killing themselves This will continuously happen till the day of judgment Till the day of judgment a person will be stabbing himself Till the day of judgment a person will be drinking poison Till the day of judgment a person will be jumping off a bridge Whatever other means that a person took his life with So the warning is very severe Additionally, the only reason that as a person is taking his life Is he thinks that the problems I'm facing with right now are tough Only if he knew what he got He would never attempt to take his life The reason why he took his life is he thinks that the problems of today are too hard but if only he knew what lies ahead in awaiting for him Especially, forget it If he knew that, he would never have attempted to take his life Okay, so that's the issue about taking a person taking his own life Number two issue is that once a person does commit suicide You have a case, genuinely you know someone to, What should we do about that? Is that person 100% condemned to hell? No A person who commits suicide is committed a sin, yes but can we say with certainty that this person is headed to hellfire? We cannot. It is a major sin. However, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, most merciful, is aware of exactly what the situation of the person is. Especially say if a person was not mentally stable. 
person was not say that those people who take their life for example in that state or in that in any state for that matter are definitely going to hellfire my dear friends we have to be very careful because suicide is something which uh, we have you know a, a skewed understanding of it within our community and because of the emphasis on it being impermissible and not good mashallah which is good that's good that we, we, we say come on solve the problem figure it out let's sort it out let's iron it out you know we cannot resort a sin as equivalent to shirk is not right it's not permissible so if you are aware of someone who's taking their life you cannot go tell the family that you know we're very sorry to hear you know that your son died in this state that he's out to you know or son or daughter or whatever is destined to hellfire yes you have no right to say that no one has a right to say that instead we should actually think that some, we should just like any other one, we all have committed sins. But again, we do not know the right state of, what state of mind that individual, what chemical imbalance in his brain, we have no idea. So we cannot make statements for anyone and most definitely for someone who's taken their own life that this person is headed to hellfire or this person committed this and that. Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam has instructed us and taught us that do not speak evil about the dead. Period. Don't speak evil about the dead. Why? Because what the, dead has, what the dead have taken away, they've taken their deed. And all it does, it, it gives pain to those who are alive. SubhanAllah. So a person who died on kufr, Rabbi Alayhi was very particular that those sahaba whose fathers and mothers died on kufr, he was very particular that people should not speak evil about their parents, their dad. Oh, your dad, I killed him in Uhud. Your dad, I killed him in Badr. What a horrible kafir. Don't say that. Yes, we all know he died as a kafir in such and such battle. But don't say such things like this because it will become a means of simply hurting this person. It, well, he's gone to wherever he's gone. But why hurt the one who's alive in front of you, living Muslim, especially a Muslim brother? Why you want to have a drug overdose? A person dries, dies over because of soon up dying in a, in a botched robbery. These are things that have happened in our community. Very sad to say, but what do we do? We have to always do some, you know, husnavan. That subhanAllah, you know, inshallah Allah, He has many good deeds, most definitely. If, if Allah were to take all of us to task for our major sins, none of us would be alive. None of us would be headed to paradise. That's why there's a very... That uh, if, if a believer were to truly know, alright? If a believer were to truly know what type of punishment Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has in stock. Are we all hearing this? If a believer, if all of the hadith says that none of us would even have the dream of Jannah, hope or for Jannah, because we're like, man, where am I gonna get there? And the capacity, capability, and ability Allah has to punish. And on the other hand, if a disbeliever were to know how men, how much, how, how forgiving, how merciful, how kind, and how loving our Lord is, and how many millions of ways He has to show His mercy, then no disbeliever would ever think He's going to hell. Right? He would never think that He said, Jannah is for me. Right? So what do we learn from this hadith? That as believers, we have to... Uh, strike a balance between hope and fear. And that will come when we study Jannah properly and we study Jahannam properly. So I announced yesterday here after Salat al-Isha that this coming Friday night, Mufti Abdul Rahman Mangera is going to be starting a series on Hellfire. Uh, a very detailed hell series, Tashan on Jahannam, 15-week series ever in the English language. So that can be found on the Zamzam 
Academy uh, YouTube channel. Mufti Abdurrahman Mangeras from UK. Samzam Academy YouTube channel. This can be Friday around Juma time or so. It's going to happen, but the recording is available. You can listen to it. It's going to be starting this week. So let's make a habit, inshallah, and uh, for the next 15 weeks to tune into that. And I think it's very important because we don't, we don't, I mean, the fact that he's saying this is going to be the most detailed uh, on this issue for him to be presenting a talk in 2021. And to make that claim that it's the most detailed, that tells you there isn't that many, there aren't that many detailed talks. Period, right? So, how if there aren't that many detailed talks, how many of us actually heard, you know know as much, right? How many of us have read that much in English language? So we should definitely, hopefully, listen to that, and that will create within us some khashia, some fear of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. So we are speaking about the fact that when a person were to truly know what Allah has prepared of hell, he won't be, he will be so worried that Ya Allah, I just need to escape this. I really, I have, I'm, I'm fearing, I'm fearing that I won't make it to Jannah. The the complacency that we have amongst ourselves, in my own self, complacency. The, the deal that like, you know what, I'll get to paradise man, sooner or later I'll get there. These type of statements, sooner or later I'll get there. You know, if it has to go to hell for a little bit to clean up, so what? You know, at least inshallah we're gonna go to Jannah. That type of statement, you know who says it's a jahil, ignorant, fool says stuff like that. The one who doesn't know what Jahannam is. The one who knows what Jahannam is, he, would, he will run away from anything that will even take him a million, a billion miles closer to hellfire, he'll run away from that. Because he knows this is something I cannot withstand. So we're speaking about again, the one who dies in a state of, of committing a sin, be it suicide or anything else, we should not uh, uh, make any statements about that individual. And we should instead have hope that Allah Azza wa will overlook that major sin of his, the way hopefully he will look over many, many major sins that we have committed. Same type of, if you have hope for yourself, why not have hope for someone else? Right? That's, that's pretty double standards. That for ourselves we have only hope, and for someone else, no, no, he's khalas, he's gone. Okay, then the next, moving on to that, after that, is, is there, what about attempted to fix your life, uh, and, and so forth. Now, what about just wishing, you're going through so many problems, is a, is a person allowed to even wish that he could have died? Because she's saying, I wish I was, you know, I wish I would have died before this. What is she wishing? She was, she's simply saying, not saying that, she's not saying that she, she, she wants to commit suicide. She's saying that I just wish, that you know this incident didn't happen in my life and that this was like I was like you know like some incident happens in the world and you say I just wish I was I, I you know I was born and I died before this horrible let's say pandemic right happened so that's not necessarily wishing for a suicide it's wishing that you came from a, a different time or a little bit earlier right but there is permissibility the Prophet said none of you should desire death none of you should desire death wish to die to meet Allah is a different case but we're talking about don't wish to die because you want to run away from the problems of the world. Don't any of you should wish to die because if you want to run away from the difficulties of the world. If you really have to, like if you're really being pushed and your nerves are being pushed and you're really done, I can't handle this anymore. What should you do? The most the Prophet said you can say is the following dua. Allahumma ahyini ma kanatil hayatu khayran li. Oh Allah, give me life as long as life is good for me. And give me death when death is good for me. You know when is life, how long life is good for me. You know how long death is good for me. Pick me up when it's the best time for me to go. Right? Increase in every blessing for me. Make life a source of increase of every blessing for me. What does that mean? I don't want to be leading a longer life and accumulating sin. There are many people, for example, they led a good life, but as they grow older, they become more greedy or get more involved in other dunyawi affairs and they start getting farther away from the deen. 
So you don't want that to happen. You want every day that you get a, a, a day in your life, you want that to become a means of getting closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Got it? And then the day you and I leave this world, we don't want to say, bhai, he was doing such great work and he got cut short. He was able to do so much good work, he got shut. Allah knows what our future lies. If we didn't die, what would happen? Ya Allah, when you mean to take me away, allow it to become instead a blessing for me. How does death become a blessing for you? Oh Allah, make death for me. If I had lived one extra day, I would have committed XYZ sin. If I had lived another extra day, I would have fallen low in, in my good deeds. Right? So then in that case, death is definitely better, isn't it? Through difficult times, the most you can say is what we just said right now. Alright? That, oh Allah, give me death, life as long as it's good for me, and grant me death when it's good for me. Make my life a means of increase in every blessing, and make my death a means of protection from every evil. The Prophet has mentioned that before the end of times, towards the closer to the day of judgment, during the time of fitan, like we are entering now, during the time of trials and tribulations, a person will pass by a graveyard. A person will pass by a graveyard and he will say, Ya laytani kuntu makana sahibi al qabr. I wish graveyard and will wish he could have switched spots with a man who is dead already inside. And then the hadith mentions that he will have. And there's different explanations of this second part of the hadith that either the reason he will wish this is because there will be nothing wrong with him except for issues of his deen meaning he won't have problems of money or status or anything of that sort the issue that he will be worried about is deen I like this interpretation it's because it's telling us that it makes sense that this believer is so so anxious and worried that if he were to live just one extra day the number of people he sees leaving Islam on a daily basis he fears that if he were to be given and just like his relatives and friends have left Islam due to the trials and to the protect out of the extreme desire to protect his faith and the worry that he will not be able to remain a Muslim any longer that is why he's wishing for death Famous hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, that a person who's following the deen will be like the one who's holding on to a burning piece of charcoal. Just like a person who holds on to a burning piece of charcoal, the chance, there's only two things gonna happen. Either it's going to leave a huge, massive, gaping hole in his arm and his hand, which he will you know, suffer for the rest of his life, and extreme, ex extremely excruciating pain. Or, more than likely what will happen, is he will drop it within seconds. That's one of the two things that are going to happen. So when Islam, towards the end of times, following it will become so challenging that either people will suffer, have to suffer you know, things that you cannot imagine, that they wouldn't, they wouldn't be thinking that that's a price they have to pay, but they will have to pay that price towards the end of times. That's one option. And the second option is what? They will simply give it up and say, that's it, we can't handle this anymore. So what do we see now? We see so much of it already. So many, you know, the pandemic has just made this, this issue even more real that people are simply afraid to recognize, be recognized as Muslims or to be connected to be Muslim, with Muslims. And you know that the, daily, week, the weekly Juma reminder or the daily khatira would be an iman boost for the thousands of people who'd come to the masjids. But now that they have been deprived or they just simply have not gotten the tawfiq to come to the masjid, what has happened? That the faith, the faith that they had that was struggling, this, this is the, the very serious issue. So this hadith 
is more true now than ever before. That the number of people that are leaving Islam, subhanAllah, you know, the true numbers, we, we have numbers in how many people got tested positive, we have numbers of how many people have passed away, but how many people have actually left Islam, unfortunately we don't know those numbers, right? Uh, and they're definitely not any less numbers. So this is the, ends of the uh, discussion here on death, right? desiring death. So is it allowed to desire death? If a person is afraid of his iman, yes. In that case, they say, Ya Allah, I'm f- afraid my fi- I'm going to fall into fitna. There's a hadith, uh, Oh Allah, take me away, pull me towards you, give me death without, without allowing me to fall into a fitna. Right? Make sure I do not fall into any trial. Because th- that happens. Sometimes right before a few seconds or a few minutes or a few hours before a person's death, he falls into some type of you know, uh, issue. Falls into some type of uh, problem. Falls into some type of imani issue. So that what, what happened? What happened is that unfortunately, you know, the flight that was flying so well, crashed and aborted instead of have a safe landing. Finished. Right, so the last moments are very crucial, um, and so you'll see certain scholars when they see a lot of fitan, they'll say, "Ya Allah, you know, iman right? And certain pious people, they'll this is what they'll keep on saying, "Ya Allah, please lift me up with iman, whenever it is." But I just want to make sure I don't leave this world without iman, because that will be the biggest loss. And in reality, this is the dua we should all be making. Or oh, our Lord, do not allow our hearts to become crooked after you have given us guidance. And indeed, this needs to be a dua that needs to be uh, recited often. Uh, and in, in terms of protecting from iman, our Ustad 21 years ago, 22 years ago told us that make a habit of reciting Surah Al-Kahf every day. Right? He told us long ago that these are the times of tribulations. And like a person says that you need to take, you know, precautions because this is a flu season, this is a COVID season, etc. So take all of these extra precautions, boost up your immune system, increase your vitamin C, increase, take your daily vitamins, multivitamins, do a lot of exercise, all sorts of different things, even if you are not doing, start doing it right now because it is the season. So similarly, right now this is the season of people leaving Islam. This is the season of people falling into doubt about Islam. This is the season of the people who were yesterday leading salah, today no longer being Muslim. This is the season. Okay. So, uh, what should we be doing now? We cannot simply just say, okay, inshallah, I hope I won't become like that. You have to actually, if you, if you truly fear for your iman, if just what if something happens to me and I end up losing my faith? What if? Just put yourself into that situation. Think about it tonight as you go to sleep. And I want you to think about it. That if I, if I, all these people who are doubting today, and who have become atheists. You think so they, they thought about that? They thought yesterday like this? No, they didn't. You think their mom and dad raised them to be like this? No, they didn't. They were strong, staunch. So that slip, any one of us can suffer. So Suratul Kahf is something that all of us who are sitting listening here, please make this a habit to recite the entire Suratul Kahf daily. You're gonna see how am I supposed to do that? Rising it. So you have now about uh, 57 or what, 55 days or 50 days left till Ramadan. Make this your goal. Between now and Ramadan, you'll try to, you know, or till at least Eid, you know, but why not till Ramadan? In this month and a half, in this two months, you will try to memorize three lines a day, four lines a day, ha- connect with a teacher, use one of the apps, but whatever it is, someone that you will, you know, is someone that can keep eyes on you, tabs on you, and to ensure that you memorize Surah Al-Kahf. Line by line, line by line. 
And inshallah, don't, don't think that that can't be me. Yes, it can. Most definitely can. You, you know, have this ex- expectations and hope from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? So, memorizing Surah Al-Kahf. Once you've memorized it, then you'll be able to recite it within 12 to 13 minutes, 10 to 12 minutes, 10 to 15 minutes, the whole thing will be done. So just like you read Surah Yaseen every day, inshallah, then Surah Al-Kahf will be our daily, a part of our daily wird, our daily recital. In the meantime, um, as we attempt to memorize it, at the very least, we, those who've memorized it, if you're Hafid al-Quran or Hafid of Surah Al-Kahf, will now take this to heart. Make Surah Al-Kahf part of your word every single day. Recite it with the inqeen that our will come and have already come. Right? Have already here. We see it all around. Prior to the Dajjal. Why are these Hafidahs leaving Islam? Why are the Hafidahs leaving Islam? Why are ulama leaving Islam? Why? Right? Why do we hear about this? At the same time, we see non-Muslims accepting Islam too, of course. But why are the Muslims, why are these Muslims leaving? Because of course these are the, the very strong shayateen, very very strong shayateen that are part of the Dajjal's army, that are very expert in creating doubts within the minds of people. And make them into uh, you know, skeptical beings. So how to protect ourselves from that virus? Surah Al-Kahf is the antidote for that. All right? Just like it is the antidote for the, the actual Dajjal, may Allah save us from ever facing him. Then similarly, this is the antidote for the shayateen that come before that. So encourage your family and friends, all of your relatives, your siblings, your daughters and sons to read it for the rest of your life, then have to suffer a day when you hear one of your closest children, siblings tell you, you know what, I'm not sure if I'm a Muslim anymore. Like what are we going to do that day? What are we going to do that day if Allah forbid any of us have to hear the parents? And it's, if, you, if you're in my position, you'll realize it's much more common than what you think it is. It's much more common than what you think it is. But we live in a cocoon. We live in a bubble. We live in our little life. So we don't think this is happening. Right? We, we are thinking that because I don't know about it, it's not happening. No, I tell you so many times, it is happening. It's happening at very alarming numbers. So do something about it. Surah, reading Surah Al-Kahf is inshallah a very strong protection of it. So if we haven't memorized it and we find it to be very difficult to uh, memorize within the next week, what should we do? Then we start reading the first 10, last 10 verses of Surah Al-Kahf. It's in the 15th juz of the Qur'an. Right in the middle of the Qur'an, you'll find it. Read the first 10 verses and the last 10 verses of Surah Al-Kahf. Can we all do that, inshallah? Right? I had given us a, a, a little task of memorizing the 99 names. Anyone began that task? Has anyone started working on it? We have online. You can put on the chat box and encourage others. So I have two individuals. I don't know if the people who, who I spoke to a couple weeks ago are all disappeared and didn't show up today. And this is a new group of people who are here. Or, uh, <laughs> or what? But alhamdulillah, um, uh, those who are here listening to me, I, I spoke about um, what you call, you know, mem- the importance of memorizing 99 names of Allah. And tonight I'm giving this targhib uh, to you, encouragement to memorize and re- at least read Suratul Kahf. So we'll move on to the next ayah. Allah Azza wa Jal mentions, فَنَادَهَا مِنْ تَحْتِهَا Then he who was newly born called out to her from beneath her. أَلَّا تَحْزَنِي Oh, do not sorrow. And he's speaking to his mother. قَدْ جَعَلَ رَبُّكِ تَحْتَكِ سَرِيَّةِ Indeed, your Lord has already made flow beneath you a streamlet. Okay, so now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about the aspect of um, she giving birth or about to give birth and the one who is min tahtiha okay someone who is below her in one recital it's man tahtiha the one who is the one who is below her called out to her and in one um, the qira'ah that we read Hafsan Asim is min tahtiha 
that he called out, referring to already the angel, min tahtiya from below her. What does it mean below her? Maryam radiallahu anhu, when she gave, went to go choose her to give birth, she chose a higher spot, right? Because she wanted to be at a safer place where she could see anyone who might be coming towards her. So she can have the whole area under her, under her vision. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says he gave, he gave her a place to rest Or he, she took shelter At a place Rabwa Rabwa means a, 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 a. Rabwa so, uh, so, so she was there So she could see whoever's below there You know Anyone who's coming She knows So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying Either An angel or Isa himself السلام, Called out to her If it's He's addressing her from far He didn't come right onto the hill oh, Lady of Haya She's about to give birth She needs her private space she, she, From, from a far away He calls out to her And says listen Allah tahzani Do not grieve Do not be so, Do not be sorrowful Do not be sorry Alright um, Because you're in good hands. You know how the doctor says, you're in good hands, don't worry about it. So Jibreel is saying, you're in good hands. I'm with you. Allah, Allah has sent me with you to, for your help. Everything will be okay. And Allah has already created for you, mashallah, out of nowhere, a stream. You can have fresh, clean water available. Like Zamzam was created out of nowhere. Here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the seed of this is min tahti as referring to her own son. We know Isa salam began to speak when he was in the cradle as he met the nation That's there So Another miracle Just took place a few days before that Was that she's speaking He began to speak to him Her Either right from the womb Or as soon as he was born As soon as he was born Calming his mother down Did Nothing to worry about Is this unique? No, this is a miracle what, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to make him speak when he's two years old, uh, two days old, why is it hard for Allah to make him speak when he's two minutes old? Nothing, it's the same. For Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, nothing is difficult. Everything is super easy. So he is a vessel, Isa alayhi salatu salam, is a vessel of the miracle of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to do this is not an issue. So Jibreel or, or Isa salam, Both of them turn to her And say La tahzani Don't be sad Now this uh, This is very nice This la tahzani What is um, We find this in other few verses of the Quran Allah Jalla Jalalu mentions this in Surah Qasas Allah mentions that Musa alayhi salatu salam's mom Right Allah inspired her And said La takhafi wa la tahzani Do not be afraid and do not be sad. Inna raduhu ilayk. Put Musa into the river. We'll send him back to you. It's very hard for you to do this, but just do it. Put Musa into the box and throw him into the river. Inna raduhu ilayk. We will send him back to you. And guess what we'll do? We'll make him from amongst the prophets. Ajib, I'm putting him into the mouth of Pharaoh's army, finding my son here alive and killing him. Okay, 95% sure that's going to happen. Throwing him inside a box and putting him into a river, 100% sure he's going to die. Right? Most of us would think that, right? What do you think? So, 
but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inspired her by saying and told her do not be afraid do not, not only is he going to come back healthy and alive as a handsome boy but we're going to make him into a prophet and similarly this word comes with Abu Bakr and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam right what's that Allah jalla jalalu says in the cave right in the cave, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, When the Prophet told his companion, Do not grieve. Indeed, Allah is with us. Indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is with us. Don't be, you know, why do we have. Then he told Abu Bakr, He said, What an amazing, amazing hadith. He said, What do you think of such two people whose third is Allah? What do you think of such two people whose third is Allah? This is our jama'ah. You, me, and Allah. So there's no chance we're ever going to get let down. That's the aqidah the Nabi Wasallam created within Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu. And within the effort is for all of us to have that aqidah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Rasulullah is telling Abu Bakr, Inna Allah ma'ana. Allah is with us. What does Allah tell us? With you. Huwa ma'akum aina ma'kuntum, wherever you are. Right? Inna Allah ma'asabirin. Allah subhanahu wa is with those who are patient. Allah is with those who excel, who do ihsan. Yes, subhanAllah. The ma'iyah of Allah, of Allah being with us is mentioned throughout the Quran. So if we have good qualities, then you and I should also have this firm faith. I don't need to worry if the whole world is against me. I have Allah with me. But in order to have Allah with you, you got to do something. You can't just say Allah is with me. We have to be people of quality. We have to be, have people of sabr, of tawakkul. Right, of reliance, of patience. And when we have those beautiful qualities, then we can expect that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's nusra, Allah's ma'iyya is with me. That's why when we do when we do dhikr, Allah, Allah, Allah. One of the yeah, what are the things what are we thinking about? We think Allahu ma'i, Allahu Hadiri, Allahu Nadiri, Allah is with me, Allah is present with me, Allah is looking at me, Allah knows what's in my heart. That is what should be going through our mind as we do as we take Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's name. Then the dhikr of Allah, Allah will be much more powerful. Dhikr itself is very powerful, but it requires concentration. So when we are doing this dhikr, no matter how difficult of what you're faced with, my dear friends, we just have to, our, our, what do you call this, handles, the, you know, grab bars. We've got the craziest grab bars you can imagine. These are grab bars that go dark, going to be a smooth ride. But you got the best grab bars ever. And those get you back to Allah If you are standing on those grab bars, then no matter how big the waves of the storm may be, inshallah, you'll become out successful. You'll come out successful. So this is what we learn yani, from uh, uh, here. is telling Maryam radiallahu anha, la tahzani, nothing to worry about. Okay, why should, you, why should you worry about it? Do you have any idea that you're going to have a very big, bright future? Your son is going to become the most famous, one of the most famous people ever to have lived on this earth. Right? Thousands of years later, subhanAllah, that we're going to be speaking about her in 2020. Right? And about him. Seriously, two, you know, over 2,000 years later. So Allah will create a shan for her. Uh, and Allah, so just like Allah created the streamlet for you, sariyah, there's two tafsirs and translations of sariya. Sariya means a person of nobility and good character. So it's like Jibreel saying, this boy, this boy that's about to be born, he's not any little kid. He's going to be a sardar, he's going to be a leader, and he's going to be a very amazingly well-mannered young man. 
Or it means Allah has created, this is more, the, uh, the more famous opinion, that Allah has created this river that you can drink from. Number two, what else should you need to do? You need to drink and then you need to eat. Moreover, shake towards yourself the trunk of the date palm. Moreover, shake towards yourself the trunk of the date palm. And it shall drop freshly ripened dates upon you. So now this soon to be, or you know, this, this, uh, this, this, this uh, uh, woman, who, lady who's about to give birth, final moments, Allah is telling her to shake a trunk of a date palm tree. Date palm trees are not some little twigs in the backyard. Huge trees. Very deep roots. Massive. To shake it? I mean, I'm serious. None of us could do that probably sitting here. To shake it to a level where dates are going to fall. It's not going to happen. If you've ever seen it, go you see in Florida some of those palm trees, you know? Not maybe date palm. You, you know, to, for even a strong, well-built man to do that. Much less someone who's in the pangs of birth right now, right? Allah is telling her to do that. What will you get out of this? Tusaqit. It will drop freshly ripened dates upon you. So many points to take from here. Huge. You want to shake that? It's called hazza. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is letting you, using the word for shaking something which is huge. But He uses the word ilayki. Ilayki, towards yourself. So one meaning is that Instead of shaking the whole thing, it means like more pull towards yourself. Or another meaning of ilayka, the reason ilayka has been added is that you may ask, why would I want to shake this big tree? What will I get out of it? Ilayki, meaning it's going to be your benefit in there. There's benefit for you lies in shaking this tree. Don't ask too many questions. Just do it. Your, your benefit lies in it. Which gives you the meaning of continuity. Continuously dates will fall. Not just once. Oh my God, I got one date. Next 20 minutes, shake it to get one more date. Not like that. You will continuously give you dates. So one point we learn from here is that Maryam radiallahu anha could have asked, but, but why? Out of all the people you're telling me to do this. Right? At this, at this stage, a lady is served. She's makhduma in the house. Everyone's coming bringing food for her. Now she's telling her to do something which two grown men wouldn't be able to do successfully in today's age. She did not argue back with Allah. She did not use her intellect and have some, you know, go back and forth with her logic. This is the method, the way the true people of the awliya and the pious of the men and the women act. When it is a command of Allah, and it's proven that it's a command of Allah, then we don't ask. We simply believe that there has to be something beneficial for me in it, which I may do not understand what it is right now. And we see that within humans. A five-year-old cannot understand what his ten-year-old brother is telling him not to do or to do. Just five years older. His brother says, don't do that, that's harmful for you. Five-year-old won't get it. And a fifteen-year-old is telling his ten-year-old sibling not to do this, he won't get it. Why? Of course, the parent telling the child, do this or don't do that, they're not going to get it. Just to get to the bottom of the benefit or harm of something. That someone who is more knowledgeable, more experienced, and more older than us can understand. Imagine then the difference between creator and creation. Allah Jalla Jalalu says in the Quran, regarding qisas, when we take a life for a life, what happens when you take a life for a life? 
Someone dies, isn't it? Someone dies. He killed someone, committed a murder. The judge in court listens to the proof and it's proven beyond any doubt that this is the murderer and he's sentenced to death. When this person is sentenced to death and capital punishment, we just lost another life. Great. Now what? What does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? وَلَكُمْ فِي الْقِصَاصِ حَيَاتٌ يَا أُولِي الْأَبَّابِ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ Oh people, وَلَكُمْ فِي الْقِصَاصِ For you is hayat, is life in the injunction of qisas. What does hayat mean? Life. We're looking with our eyes, a man just died right now because of capital punishment, because of the judge order that. And what is Allah saying in Surah Al-Baqarah and Sayyakul, second juice? He says, in the capital punishment, there lies life. How do you understand that? Right? Of course, we understand that when you have this type of capital punishments that are done publicly and openly, it will send such level of fear within the minds of the people that they will not dare pick up a gun and try to kill someone because they know they'll be next. And they won't be, they won't be just sitting there in jail for 20, 30 years and appealing and whatnot and coming out and stuff. No, they know that it'll be, if it's proven in court, within a week they're gone. If that is how the system in a society, but is everyone going to understand that? Unfortunately, as, as easy as I just shared it with you and you're probably all nodding your heads like, yeah, that makes sense. Millions of people don't understand that, would fight for this. They say, absolutely not, this is bogus, this is nonsense, this, this injunction of Islam makes no sense. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows not everyone's going to understand that. That's why He says, Ya ulil albab, O intelligent people, only those who are intelligent. Lubun lubab means brains. If you have intelligence and brains according to not the exams of the world, According to Allah, if you have faham and understanding, if you're intelligent according to Allah, you will understand what I'm saying. Yani, there's life in qisas. But if a person is very smart in this world, but according to this court of Allah, he's fool, he's a fool, he's, bl- he's blanketed by his desires or his ideologies that he comes from, he won't, understand, he won't understand this injunction, he won't understand any other injunction. He'll always find something or another to object. So I find this ayah to be very unique, what I just shared with you. I think it's very beautiful to understand how even in death lies life and you have to believe that if you want to be a Muslim. Okay, my dear friends, very important for myself. You know, when you hear something and then you say, mashallah, mashallah, that makes a lot of sense to me. You know, that statement is actually could be pretty dangerous. But what happens if I say something that doesn't make sense to you? Then what are you going to say? So we cannot be following injunctions of the deen because they said, if this is the order of Allah, that's it. MashaAllah, thank you for sharing that piece of wisdom. That helps me. But I'm not following this injunction because you explained it to me that way. I'm saying it because then there's no reward. The reward doesn't come because it's logical. The reward comes when you say, Sami'ana wa ta'ana. We listen and we obey. Iman bil ghaib, believe in the unseen, that's it. That's where the reward comes in and that's what the, the reward is for, the unwavering belief in the unseen. It's not belief in the logical. If you have to believe in the logical, then that's very easy. Then logical, everything will understand. Everyone will understand what logical is and there will be, you know, be no test. The test really comes in those parts of our life, in those parts of the deen which seem to contradict our desires, contradict our goals, our purposes in life, our ob- mission, objections, etc. And you see dreams. Now what are you going to do? It's coming between me and my dreams. Now what are you going to do? Well, if you're, you and I are true believers, we'll say, okay, if this is what Allah wants it to be, then so be it. And if you, want, if you have some wisdom to share with me, please do. Otherwise, I'm not following through. That's why scholars have said that even if a person knows the wisdom behind an action, it's not necessarily the best way to sit there and explain it to everyone of every action. 
Because then people will get, begin to become habitual of demanding and expecting wisdoms of all sorts of commands. And we don't have the answers for all of them. We have answers for few. And where did those answers come from? It came either through Rasulullah himself may have explained something, or through an extrapolation or a deduction of a companion or a scholar of the past or the present. But that is very limited. We know Allah is wise. That's our belief. And we know a wise... So we know Allah's commands are filled with wisdom. That's our aqidah, that's our belief. But to get to the bottom of that, we don't know. And I gave you the example of this world. Someone who's senior with us just a few years above or a few months, is in the company working in senior, seniority by just a few months. He has a few, one position above us. He knows what we don't know. And we cannot expect us to expect to know everything he does from his perspective. So when that is the tafadul and the difference between makhluq and creation, what do you expect between khaliq and makhluq? So that's why this is not a ha- good trend or good habit to demand wisdoms because it will create within people the, the dependency upon this it's not a problem to share it okay but make sure you don't make them dependent on that that I am practicing this aspect of faith because of this wisdom because tomorrow we may come across a command that we don't know the wisdom then our iman will be in problem okay so Maryam radiallahu anha is not asking for the wisdom behind this Right? And she goes ahead to shake this. That's, that's another point we learn from here. Third thing is that Allah Jalla Jalalu created for her a service, like a, uh, you know, a room service or a bell button you know, for bringing food. What is it? You go and pull this tree. And what will happen? Tree, dates will continue to fall. Whenever you want, go there, push the tree, fresh dates, fresh will be coming. That's an interesting word. The, the Quran uses rutab and jani. Two words to describe this date. This date is not the one that is dried up, you know, that you find uh, in, the, in the marketplace from the previous year. And it is not also that comes prematurely is picked. It's raw. It's not the one that you'll find fallen out under the Date palm tree, which ones are those? That are the ones that are overripe and they've gone bad. This is the one that you actually have to harvest. They're perfect, just ready to be plucked. Allah is telling her to go shake it and the, the, the condition that these dates will fall in your lap will be that they will be in excellent condition right to melt in your mouth. Rutuban Janiya, my dear uh, listeners, gives us the meaning that these extremely fresh dates will not, e- will not only give you the benefit of nutrition, but they will also give you the benefit of enjoyment. These are definitely the most enjoyable dates. All of us who have tried rutubs know how nice they are. Right? Much better than the dried up ones and of course rotten ones and whatnot. And, and pre, you know, the, the half cooked ones, half, half uh, uh, what you call made ones, busr. There's so many different types. So rutubar, the ones are just so sweet, gives you two things. It gives giving you nutrition, and it's also giving uh, you that sweet taste. And uh, uh, the, the uh, subhanAllah, for the, 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 the ulama with the background in, in medicine have written extensively on the aspect of the benefits of a date uh, for a, a pregnant lady. And for someone who's about to give birth, that it makes it easy, the, the whole ch- childbearing process and child, rather, uh, you know, the, the delivery process becomes much, much easier through because of the nutritions within this date. Tens of different various nutrition, uh, nutritious things there that are helpful for the delivery. Number two, that give her the energy and uh, giving milk to this newborn. 
Okay, so that will require tons of extra energy, and that will come through this, these these extremely sweet tasting dates. Additionally, we know that when the child is born, we do the tahnik in our Sharia, right? What do we, what is that? We take a sweet date, right? We know this. We take we take Nabi Sallallahu We take a date and would make would chew it, soften it, and then take it on the finger and put it on the. Uh, the 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 uh, the mouth inside the mouth of a newborn, and the newborn would suck on it. So not only is it uh, the date going in or something sweet, but it's also had the saliva of Rasulullah So we have the saliva of 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 some pious person or our parents or whoever, you know. Uh, that's one thing, tahnik and hanak. What do you call that? The palate. Are you putting the date palm or the the date or the sweet thing on the palate of the? Uh, of, of the newborn And again there are physicians sitting here They can give you more details I just remember uh, reading uh, on a BBC website Front page some like 6-8 years ago About how the benefits of giving uh, Something sweet to a newborn In terms of how it would help Actually stabilize many of the things that. So you can go ahead and search for it yourself And you'll come across that article From there or any other medical source that's there But definitely you can research this The benefits of giving something sweet to a newborn Subhanallah And of course they were not linking it, linking it to dates or, or Islam or anything of that sort But immediately that's what came through my mind That uh, Subhanallah How this de- teaches us these beautiful things you know, It's, it's going to take us Whole millions of years also We will never understand the wisdom Who would have ever thought this Right 1500 Why sweet Why not something Why not something bitter Or why not something You know spicy Why is it a sweet thing Right So read up on that And realize that This is just the very The, the beauty of service Provided for her Of the best dates Now why is the service Being provided for her This is my point here now Going on to the next point Is that She, she is doing this for the deen She is oh, leaving her home For the sake of Allah To protect Islam's name To protect her parents' name To protect, the, to, to protect herself From being accused of something And so For the sake of Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala She's left her home And so what we would say She's in the path of Allah She's in the path of Allah Jalla Jalalu Will take care of your needs That's what it is Your needs What does the path of Allah mean? Anything you're doing to preserve and promote the message of Islam in a manner shown to us by our Prophet That's your deen. That's your fisa. Going to Juma is fisa bilillah. Do you know that? Going to Juma is fisa bilillah. We always quote the hadith of the ghubar, that the dust of the fisa bilillah that comes onto our feet, then that area of our feet or, or that area of our body will be haram and the fire of hell. But if I remember correctly, this hadith about the ghubar and the dust touching a portion of our body and that portion of the body being haram on the um, fire of Jahannam is actually mentioned in Sahih al-Bukhari under the chapter of going to Juma. I really think we have to start speaking about this. Tell, start telling people this is jihad. Your jihad is go for Juma. Your fi sabiri is go to Juma. Let's talk about the fadl on your kurta, on your shirt, black slush. Insha'Allah, that's equivalent definitely to the dust. Don't you think so? Right? It's worse than dust. So that's the same expectations we can have. That if in coming to Juma, your clothes and your boots and your shoes get and socks get dirty, then that is fi sabilillah and you will be that area will be protected from the fire of Jahannam. So she is in fi sabilillah and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Okay, now I'm gonna take care of you. I have I've heard people, many, many, many stories, and you all know stories of people who went in Jamaat. And we went in Jamaat, subhanAllah, in Fisa Bidillah, which is one of many Fisa Bidillahs. And 
they're, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're left their, you know, their wives, for example, were expecting, etc. And they came back, and I've heard these stories from individuals, how <laughs> when, they, when they came back, their wives had set birth. Because we've seen that when you were gone, things were so much easier for us. Not because you were fighting with us. No, of course not. That's not the point. That's what you're all thinking. It doesn't mean by that. It means that the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was just providing peace, that the children, the other children were so calm, pain also was less, no nausea, no this, no that, no cramps, everything was just, just amazing. And, 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 and I, I'm telling you this, I'm a witness of this, this is so true, this is so, so true, I'm, I'm a real eyewitness to this, that when, when people actually serve the deen, when people go out in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, traveling for the sake of Allah, you know, doing anything for the sake of Allah azawajal, truly Allah takes care of their stuff at home. And you think that, Are, if I go out, who's going to take care of it? You actually realize that when you go out, what is the dua we read when we go for safar? You hear this in the airplane, right? In the Arab airlines. Don't you hear this in the Arab airlines? This is one of the few good things about the Muslim Arab airlines besides all the other nonsense that happens there. This is uh, at least one good thing. You get to hear the automated voice of the uh, dua being recited. Oh Allah, you are the companion in the journey of mine. And you are, you are the one who's looking after my family. I'm leaving you behind to look after my family. Can you be better than Allah? To take care of your family, right? Outstanding. If we follow the sunnah. When you're leaving the family, you're bidding farewell, you're giving hugs and kisses to your loved ones. What are the duas? I'm leaving you. I'm not leaving you at home under what uh, the security system that you have, ATD or whatever that's called. Right? No, <laughs> I'm not leaving you under the protection of security system and first responders and whatever else you have. Uh-uh. Allah. I'm leaving you under the protection of Allah. What, are, what am I leaving in the protection of Allah? Deenaka, your deen. Wa amanataka, your trust. Wa khawatima from our homes. Number one, not pesa, health. Astaudiyallah, deenaka, your deen. I'm leaving your deen. Ya Allah, please take care of the deen. And the final, final actions before we leave this world. And then the response you're supposed to give is Astaudiyallah, ladi la tadi'u wa da'u. Tika bhai abjaru, you're going. I also bid farewell to you and I, 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 I leave you under the protection of Allah whose protected things never go missing. Who is always 100% insured. Who, who, insure, who ensures that whatever is given, signed up to him will never get lost. That's why Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam once was so, uh, in a gist of one hadith, someone said, uh, yani, how about various investments that go down? Investments go down, don't they? Some investments, you know, like in, if you invest in real estate or ships and, you know, old times, boats, sailboats, etc. and business trips. He said there were some investments that burn, some investments that drown, some investments that get robbed by the highway robbers in the desert. But if you want to know an investment that will not drown, that will not burn, that will not get robbed, this is an investment done with Allah. You put $100 with Allah, there's no such thing that the stock is going to go down. There's no such thing that the company is going to go bust. But every other investment of the dunya, no matter what investment it is, it definitely can take a hit. 
Right? So this is, these are the beautiful du'as that we, we say when we are parting with one another. So we speak about Khalifa. When we are, when we are traveling, we are making Allah the Khalifa at our home. So my dear respected listeners, when, we do, when, when the husband or wife, anyone leaves, or the mother or father or the children leave for a trip for Hajj or for Umrah, etc., what are we doing? In the path of Allah, you need to be anyone who left their kids at home when they went for Umrah and Hajj. You can ask them. It's a huge sacrifice. Right? But the kids will say, MashaAllah, we had the best time. <laughs> right? The, everyone else will say, I've heard this from so many people. The, the uncle and aunt say, oh, MashaAllah, your children were such a blessing. So many great things happen. Allah is allowed to care of our needs. Okay. Another, MashaAllah, point. We're extrapolating, sharing a lot of points here on this simple aspect of shaking the tree. What else do we learn from here? We learn from here that even though she's weak, she's meek, she's at the verge of giving a child right now, the weakest point she's gonna ever be, Allah is still asking her to do something. That Allah that's giving her a miraculous baby, you think Allah cannot just make the date travel like 50 feet to her lap? They just look up and the date will come. How hard would that be? Why even look up? Why look up? Just done. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants her to get up and go and move the tree or attempt to move it. Obviously, she's not gonna be actually moving it. She's touching it. But she touches it, the dates fall. What does that tell us? That this is the world of means. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to use the means. But when you use it, like she was moving the tree, do you really think she thought she's shaking it? You think she actually thought she's bringing the, 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 the dates down? She knows she's not. She knows she cannot push it to a level. Unless, of course, one explanation can be, which is another explanation, that Allah gave her like the strength of a jinn or the strength of an angel. And truly, even in that state, she was touching it and, and shaking the whole thing. Which is very possible. But the ulama, yani, let's talk about this point. What I'm saying is that in that we Allah to move this tree because this world is a world of means. And you all have to, we all have to make an effort. But just like Maryam radiallahu anha knew that her shaking of the tree is not what is actually bringing the dates. But it is the Amr of Allah and the command of Allah which is doing so. She same level of yaqeen you and I have to have in every aspect of our life. Though even when I'm drinking water, I'm only touching it and putting it to my mouth. The one who is actually making this water go down my throat is Allah. And the one who is actually making this water interact with my body to a level and to a, to a degree where it satiates my need and it takes care of my thirst, that is only Allah doing it. That Allah is all capable that I could drink one gallon of water in front of you in all aspects. That I could go to work and bring no money back. That I could cut and the thing doesn't get cut. That I could speak and no words come out of my mouth. Yes, that can happen. That I can speak and people don't understand. And that's why Nabi wasalam, he exhorted us to work hard. And one of the morning and evening du'as that we're taught to recite on a daily basis, if you do not have the du'a card, please pick it up from outside. And, or if you need it to be texted to you or messaged to you, then message the office and get it. And one of the, du'a, one of the du'as is, Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min inability to fulfill my tasks. Wal kasal, and I seek refuge, incapability, incapacity to do things what you're supposed to do, ajiz. And number two is kasal, to be lazy. The Prophet ﷺ mentioned, طَلَبُ كَسْبِ الْحَلَالِ فَرِيضَةٌ is an obligation after another obligation. Meaning after the obligation of salah, the next obligation we have is to go earn halal risk for our family. So my dear friends, working hard and, and struggling to provide halal food for our family is not something to feel guilty about. But instead it's part of our deen.
So sometimes a person says, I'm this and that, I'm horrible. You know, I'm running after the dunya. But what do you do? You're a drug dealer? No, my friend, I am, you know, subhanAllah, I'm, I am an accountant. I am a taxi driver. I am a grocer. Then why are you feeling guilty? Why are you saying, Astaghfirullah, Inna Lillah? Why are you saying, I'm like this? Why are you debasing yourself like that? Don't debase yourself. If you are working in order to provide a halal income to your family and your intentions are correct, then I promise you during the times of your work, you have to obviously be mindful that your earnings are halal, that your income is halal, that you are not doing anything haram at the job. But if all of those things are checked off, then you know what? That's an act of ibadah. You don't need to feel guilty and to say that I'm a sinful person. No, you don't. Instead, that's it. Mashallah, it's good to have tawadu and humility. But then sometimes a person really, yani, it means that you're not, we're not making the proper intention. If every day, because all of you listening here have your own jobs, and you go to work every day, how about when you sit and do wudu and take a bath and shower every single day? You just say, Ya Allah, I'm out, I'm fi sabilillah. I don't want to go in the snow. I don't want to go work. I'm doing it because it's an order of yours and an order of your Prophet that I have to provide halal income to my family. And that's the reason why I'm going. Otherwise, I would never want to go out. So now, your going out has actually become a means of what? Ibadah for you. The Prophet ﷺ, he saw a person who came. Nabi ﷺ made a... Because it's, it's just a, such a beautiful balance between tadbir and taqdeer. Between planning, planning and between having faith in the predestiny. So the Prophet ﷺ was brought out, was, was presented with, two case, with the case of two people who were sitting there arguing amongst themselves about this belongs to me, this belongs to me. And the Prophet ﷺ, he made a decision for one of them. He said, this belongs to you. So that individual, what did he say? He said, Hasbunallahu wa ni'mal wakil. Kya bhai? He says, Allah is sufficient for me, he's the best of caretakers. Why did he say that? He basically was eluding that you know, this decision was not correct. It actually belonged to me, but you ended up giving it to him. All right? So, what can I do? I'll take it from Allah. He said it like that. He was dis- Okay? So then the Prophet ﷺ, he reprimanded him. He said, Inna Allah yalumu ala al-ads. Allah dislikes, Allah dislikes, dis- you know, disap- incapable, not doing anything, being lazy. All right? Allah dislikes that. Nabi Sallallahu actually reprimanded him, didn't feel sorry for him. He taught him a lesson. He said, Instead, you need to be smart. You need to act smart. You need to act, act out properly on the appropriate time. What does that mean? You did not come to court with your papers. You did not come to court with your proper evidence. I'm going to make a judgment based on evidence. If you didn't prepare for the court date, don't blame me for that. I'm going to make a decision based on the evidence. The evidence is on his end. So why are you blaming me? You have to blame yourself for coming unprepared. Then the Prophet ﷺ said, فَإِذَا غَلَبَكَ أَمْرٌ That if, after having prepared for your interview, for your deposition, decision goes against, your, against you, not in your favor, or you don't get that job, or you don't get that entrance into that college, or into that program, or whatever else you're looking for, then say, قُلْ حَسْبِيَ اللَّهُ وَنَعْمَ الْوَكِيلُ Allah is sufficient for me, and He's the best of caretakers. So you said it prematurely or in the wrong place. What an amazing balance are deeming Islam, or one thing. Yeah, seriously, each hadith is sufficient to bring you back towards Islam. One, one hadith. Where are you going to get such amazing teachings? 
the balance to lead this life. Because all of us go through this. Same time, planning for what comes ahead tomorrow. So what are we being taught in this powerful hadith? That plan as though you're in control of your destiny. That's it. Plan as though it's it. That's it. And then when you absolutely no control of anything, leave it up to Allah. So till the day of your exam, study as though you're the one who's going to grade your own exam. Study, 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 study. And you say, I'm going to give myself a hundred. And then, when the day of the exam comes, you pray your Salat al-Hajjah, read your Yaseen, do your du'as, give Sadaqah, and you go on. And say, Bismillah. Ab khatam. Ab now, Allah forbid, you study so hard, and you don't get to do well. Don't start blaming yourself. Don't be hard on yourself. Instead of say, before the creation of the heavens and the earth, I was already written that I was not going to get a good grade on this. It's not the end of the world. Alhamdulillah, I still have Iman. That's it. I have Iman. What else do I want? This is, there's some hidden wisdom behind me not getting this grade, which I don't understand right now. Alright So what do we understand From this beautiful hadith here From this beautiful ayah of the Quran The use of means Is very important As well But we have to ensure That our belief Is not on the means Our belief is in the Musabbibul asbab In the controller of the means Inshallah ta'ala uh, We will um, Stop at this ayah 25 Inshallah uh, and as I want to make an announcement here That we had this Friday at Dar al we, we announced, you know, officially in Jum'ah Announced the campaign of, of the Fortune 1400 And we asked the people, you know To sign up to become a monthly patron and the 1400, mashallah, you all remember, is the equivalent to the number of Sahaba that took the Pledge of Allegiance in the Bayat al Ridwan in, in the time of Hudaybiyah, in the, in the uh, sixth year of Hijrah, outside of Mecca. They pledged allegiance. There was 1400 Sahaba, and Allah revealed a whole surah about them called the Surah of the Conquest. Surah Fath. Powerful, beautiful story. That was the tafsir that we covered right before Surah Maryam. So we asked all of us. To become part of that 1400 Ask our daughters, our sisters, our brothers, our sons, our parents For every member of our family So if you have not already signed up Those of you who are listening and those of you who are present Please do so It could be at any level if, uh, The ideal is we want it to average out to $100 per month So we know there are certain people who can give 300 a month, 200 a month, 500 a month, whatever Alhamdulillah And there's others who can give a dollar a day $30 a month, $50 a month what $10 a month, anything So whatever capacity we have Do not deprive ourselves of doing that Ask every single member of our family I Request you inshallah If we can make this go viral we have about, We've reached 10% of our goal Okay, so we have some quite a ways to go And we don't want to make this an endless campaign This campaign, we want to complete it inshallah very soon The sooner the better Right, so I request every single one of you Who have not signed up You can do so right behind you in the kiosk Just go to the kiosk And there's a Fortune 500 a tab there you can do it right from the website On the front page of the website It's there It's shared on Facebook as well So if you have Facebook You can you know, like it and share that and it take a, Make a special note how Darus, What Darussalam means to you And what has Darussalam been able to provide you Your wife, your husband, your kids For the past 10 years Whatever your story is Share it And say this is what Darussalam means to me I want you to also benefit and I want you to be a shareholder in the good work that, that's taking place here. Be it the counseling, be it the tafsir class, be it the classes for children, be it the salah, be it the taraweeh, be it the seminars, the workshops. Tens of endless, alhamdulillah, mashallah, things that through all of yours participation, support and du'as we've been able to provide since 2013 and before here. We're asking inshallah to become part of that. And it's possible if all 
uh, take responsibility. Right? I know we're not asking one person to donate millions. We're asking each one to do a hundred if you can, or more or less. And the second thing, more importantly, after signing up, is to encourage every single member of your family. We have lost so many people this year. Do it on behalf of your loved ones. Do it on behalf of a deceased mother, father, uncle, aunt, deceased nephew, cousin, friend. This is an awesome sadaqah jariyah on behalf of your loved ones. And encourage people who you know have lost loved ones, tell them, hey, you know what? This is a great way to allow your deceased to continue to enjoy the blessings of all the good that is, keeps on coming. Inshallah, so we, can we share this with others, please? Right? Let's see by next week where we end up. We're at 10% right now today. So let's try, if we all work together, all of you are listening to me online and listening live, if you spend maybe an hour on it, right, it, will, it will actually make a huge difference. Make a huge difference. And if you're motivated by what I'm saying, then don't wait till tomorrow. Do it tonight. Tonight, share it with 50 people and encourage them and share your own story. That's a key thing. Explain to them why. I understand sadaqahs. You know, and you have to share your story. You know, that, that, that part of it is, and it's so beautiful to see our dars of tafsir right now. Last week too. Alhamdulillah. I mean, most people I would say on average are driving 40, 30 to 40 miles to come here. Right? 30 to 40, 50, 60 minutes to come here. There's something that's going on. What value is in it that we see 80% or plus our youth born and raised in this country who are attending the tafsir. That's awesome. That makes me so happy and so thankful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that's a story that you need to share. What is takes place in this tafsir? What takes place in Darul Salaam that attracts you to come here? That story, if you all say this, especially the youth, that's awesome. Because you know what? Most masjids, and even here too, it's very hard to attract the youth. For us to, to get that professional age group of people to come to a tafsir on a Tuesday night when it's, clo- when it's freezing cold and it's snow, subhanAllah, there's something that's happening. I'm not saying it's me or you. If there's some barakah going on. Share that barakah with others and allow them to have a share in that, inshaAllah. Allah, we ask you to accept whatever was shared and said. Oh Allah, oh Allah, allow the listeners and the speaker to be able to practice whatever good was shared, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, inspire us to make, grant us the ability in the tawfiq, Ya Allah, to practice whatever was shared. Allah, grant us a life of haya and modesty. Oh Allah, and bashfulness. Oh Allah, grant us a life of taqwa and tahara. Oh Allah, grant us a life of halal sustenance, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, grant all of us, Ya Allah, peace in this world and the next. Oh Allah, grant us mahabba and love between parents, between children, between spouses, between family members. Oh Allah, those who are, who are married, grant mahabba and love between them and their spouses, between them and their parents. Oh Allah, those who are not married, oh Allah, make it easy for them to find the best of spouses, most, the most appropriate of spouses, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, those who are suffering financial difficulty, oh Allah, emotional, mental, and physical difficulties through the barakah of this majlis, through the barakah of the Quran. Oh Allah, we ask you to grant all of them and all of us and our loved ones complete shifa, complete shifa, complete shifa from all of our physical, spiritual, mental, emotional illnesses. Ya Allah, grant all of us the ability to free ourselves from the, from, from the Ya Allah, from, from the influence of shaitan, from the influence of our nafs. Oh Allah, allow us to subdue our nafs. Allow us to subdue our nafs. Allow us to subdue our nafs from shaitan's grips. Ya Allah. Oh Allah, allow us to take the lessons of Surah Maryam. Oh Allah, and, and allow us to implement it within our lives. Ya Allah. Oh Allah, grant all, us, the, all of us the beautiful traits and the qualities of the Sahaba and use it for the saints, our staff, our uh, well-wishers, our ya Allah, patrons, our attendees, our listeners online. Oh Allah, and anyone, any way, shape, or form,
form has uh, is connected with this institution protect them their iman their health their wealth their resources oh allah their homes oh allah oh allah their families their children their spouses their parents oh allah we ask you to protect all of us in our iman ya allah of it the people within it from all sorts of attacks of shaitan and nafsi allah oh allah protect it from the jealousy of those who harbor jealousy protect it from the plotting of those who are evil plotters protect it from the ya allah evil plots and plans of shayateen whether they be from the humans or for the jinn oh allah through the barakah of this quran grant this entire place and this entire structure and anyone who enters it and anyone who is connected a complete complete needs whatever issues and needs the brothers and sisters have who are listening to this program or who have driven from far to attend here Ola you know the secrets of the hearts you know what tensions they're going through you know what their difficulties are Ola you know what keeps them awake at night Ya Allah we ask you to remove all their worries remove all their worries fulfill all their permissible desires fulfill all their needs Ya Allah Ola grant them success in this world and the next grant them peace and contentment in this world Ya Allah Subhana Rabbika Rabbil Izzati Masifun Wassalamun Al Mursaleen Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh